0: Hey, everybody, welcome to the For the Love podcast with me, Jen Hatmaker. You guys, this week, we are opening the curtains to our For the Love of Broadway series. We are going to be talking with some of the very best about their journeys to the big stage, what it's like to follow such a big dream, and how the reopening of Broadway will impact us all. And today, we are kicking it all off with Wicked's Elphaba and Glinda otherwise known as Mary Kate Morrissey and Jenna Claire Mason. Hey everybody, Jen Hatmaker here, your host of the For the Love podcast. I'm so delighted to welcome you to the show because today uh, we're kicking off a fabulous star-studded series called For the Love of Broadway. Uh, I am a long time Broadway fan. I have seen, I don't even know how many shows in New York on Broadway. And as they tour around the country, I am such a fan. i I love everything. the artistry, the drama, the dancing, obviously the music, the orchestra. There isn't a bit of it that I don't love. i like I like the costuming. I love the lighting and the staging. I just cannot get enough of it. I've never seen a Broadway show I didn't love, never. And so we started dreaming this one up, like you guys, Broadway theater in general brings us so much joy collectively, like, what if we invited a bunch of, you know, Broadway greats to the show and let's talk about what it's like in front of the curtain, what it's like behind the curtain. And as you probably know, Broadway is back friends. And so, I have not been excited about something like this in such a long time. There is just something about live theater and performance that makes my soul happy. I sure hope that a lot of you have had the privilege of experiencing this as well. This series is going to make you as happy as it's making me. And for those of you who have yet to see your first live show, you're going to be primed and ready to experience the absolute magic of live theater after hearing from these wonderful people. So everybody get excited because... This week, we are talking to Mary Kate Morrissey and Jenna Claire Mason, who were both part, and when I say part, let's go ahead and call them the leads, of a little tiny show called Wicked. (laughs) There's not that many shows as well known as this one. And these double-name witches are going to give us the inside scoop. One thing to know about Jen Hatmaker, I have seen Wicked, I think six times. I've seen it all over. I've seen it in Austin. I've seen it in San Antonio at the Majestic. And then I've seen it on Broadway multiple times because I just love it. I just love it. It is everything magic that Broadway should be. And this is one of my absolute favorite Broadway shows. So before I bring these phenoms, onto the show. Let me tell you about them. So Jenna Claire is a Nashville native who performed in regional productions of Thoroughly Modern Millie and Hairspray before she made her way to Broadway as part of the cast of Newsies and then Wicked. And we're going to talk about all that, where she plays Glinda as part of the Broadway company. Glinda, 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 the good witch. I mean, it's Glinda, y'all. Pink and sparkly and sweet and charming. And so that's Jenna Claire. Mary Kate is from a small town in Pennsylvania. And so she starred in several off Broadway shows before making her way into the cast of The Wicked Tour as Alphaba. Yes, Alphaba, Alphaba, the green one. Misunderstood and beloved. Now Mary-Kate is in the touring production of Mean Girls, starring as Janice. I saw Mean Girls two years ago, and it is phenomenal. Also, this is real cute and fun, which is why they're on together. Mary-Kate and Jenna Claire are real-life BFFs, like absolute real-life BFFs, which you will absolutely see play out over the course of this interview. They're so delightful so talented. It's amazing to see their chemistry and friendship both on the stage and off. This is the cutest conversation. You guys, we hear it all in here, like auditions, what it was like to get callback, back, what it was like to finally get that call. Like you're the one they tell us their most magical Broadway moments and their worst. So we get a lot of tea in here. And a lot of tenderness and a lot of laughters. Oh, I love this conversation and I love them. So I'm delighted to bring to you my wonderful conversation with Jenna Claire and Mary Kate. I am so, so tickled and delighted to welcome you two girls to the so-so jenna Claire and mary kate welcome to the for the love podcast Hello. (laughs) wait look at this that's you that is that is me that's my signature bun (laughs) like i don't do a lot of hair (laughs) i don't do a lot of hair and so all everybody watching on youtube is gonna be real delighted with this look (laughs) really really cute iconic so you guys are in the same house right now we are (laughs) <laughs> Explain yourselves. Jenna Claire has a home. She
1: has a whole house
2: filled I with I live in the suburbs. It's
1: crazy.
2: It is- Mary Kate has a, a gorgeous flat in Brooklyn. I was like, come out to the Burbs. We'll do the podcast together in the same walls.
0: <laughs> I like this. I like this. And the flat in Brooklyn, I like too, to be honest with you. It's amazing. But, Remarkable. Yeah. yeah. It's amazing. Soak it up right now, girl. Yeah. You're living the dream. You guys... Okay. So I have already told my listeners about you kind of from a high level. And so before we get into the rest of this, I would love for you guys each to kind of introduce yourself and give us a little bit of background. Like what's your deal and who are your people and where are you at? Okay. So Jenna, Claire, how about you go first? Okay. So I guess a
2: little over, I mean, a year and a half ago, almost now, which is bananas. MK and I's shows got put on hold and on pause, and probably about a month into said pause, MK and I were on the phone, and she said, "I think it's time we start our teaching business." And I said, "What teaching business?" And she said, "The one we're the one we're launching now,
0: the one so- I'm about like to tell you about." <laughs>
2: exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, and mm. and so we had both kind of taught individually and. Loved working together on stage and always kind of looking for business ventures to do together off stage and brought our bestie Meredith on as sort of our business manager. In May 2020 launched Double Name Witches, which was sort of the nickname affectionately, affectionately give to us by Wicked fans when we were on the road. So because we both have two first names, hey, so I get it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, we kind of started small. We said, you know, if we could start with two classes of eight, that would be amazing. We wanted to keep our class sizes small and intimate, you know, in the Zoom room. And at that point, I think everybody was still we were still figuring out Zoom anyway. And we had almost 100 auditions for that first round of classes and ended up I think that that first round make was that four classes to Mm -hmm. to kick off and and yeah we've been going going ever since and our shows are coming back this fall. I found out this time last year that I was pregnant with a wee little baby. Um so that's exciting. That's
0: definitely a whole baby. A
2: whole baby. I know it was actually it was this time last year Meredith MK and I were on a call and we were planning our fall semester and I said, you guys before we before we get started Just have to let you know about this thing that's growing inside me and might affect our fall classes, maybe or maybe not. But he was really good. He gave me no nausea. So we we I think we ended up doing seven or eight classes
0: last fall. So it all worked out. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And so can you tell me just a little bit more about the classes? How many what what did that really look like in the pandemic?
1: Okay. Yeah. The classes were built for teaching theater virtually. So it's not necessarily a class that you would like see (laughs) in a room live, right? It's all about GC and I did a lot of work. Like, what do we have available to us here that we don't have available in the room? And how do we use that to our advantage when it comes to teaching things that then they can practice and use in their craft in a room? But like, how how do we use this moment right now to teach and not just try to bring some something that people taught before into the Zoom room. It doesn't work like that. It just doesn't. So we did a lot of viewpoints work, a lot of, I mean, it sounds silly. It's like musical theater class, but GC and I built like three sturdy curriculums. Like we really, we really did. We started that first class we taught was four weeks, three weeks of class and one one recital. But then we moved into 10 week long classes. One is called Groundwork that is about exploring your own point of view in the world and how that can cross over with your characters and sort of narrowing in on what's important to you and how you apply that to your work, sort of like being your own director, but also giving people confidence to like explore and actually care about the things they care about. And everything is going to be more interesting if it comes from you, right? Everything, if it comes from your own point of view, if it comes from your own experience. So, kind of giving people permission to explore that and utilize that and kind of layer it onto the work that they are presenting. And then the other big class that we Did is called Stages of Drama, which GC was kind of giving you a little bit about, but we it's a five chapter long class that's 10 weeks. Each chapter is an era in musical theater. We move through the 20s to today. And the first class of the chapter is like a lecture led by GC that's about a half an hour long that talks about the history of the time and how it overlaps with the Broadway stage. And then a 45 minute choreography study. From one of our Broadway friends who has either done the show or knows a lot about the show or is a dance captain in the show on Broadway. And then a vocal study led by me. So what is specific about the vocals during this era and how we can use these as like seasonings for our own voices when we're going in for those roles. And then we interviewed icons that have a lot to say or a lot to do with those eras. Okay. So it's robust. It's robust. Yeah. Okay. It's like when I say it's yeah. sturdy, like yeah. I think the reason why we have so many people coming back is because what we're doing is really intentional and it's not like, Hey, come learn from us. It's like, no, we learned so that we can teach. Like we are like, we put this together
0: so that you will succeed. That's incredible. You drilled down. Yeah. What does this mean? I mean, obviously well, I don't even know, but it appears that the world might be coming back. I'm not sure. Let's just the verdicts out. I, Who knows? I swear to the Lord, if mine and Meredith's tickets to opening night in September get pulled again, we are going to riot up in these streets. We had our seven o'clock tickets, and we started getting texts at five saying everything's ruined, <laughs> everything's doomed, and so we had like a sad struggle dinner. After that. And so, yeah, we have tickets in hand to see Wicked on September. Is it 14th? 14th. See, I know. And I swear, I swear if they pull it again, you guys. It's not going to happen. So here's my, this is a roundabout way for me to say, uh, as of now, normal theater is, uh, is on its way back. We're going to be back in theater. And so does this mean the classes will be on hiatus or do you have them such that they can kind of be in perpetuity now or no?
2: I think our formal group classes that Mary-Kate and I have been teaching together will be on a temporary hiatus. And Mary-Kate and I both also teach a number of our Group class students privately, so I think there's a world in which some of our our private classes will will continue and definitely sort of pick up in full steam on the other side of our of our
1: current contracts. It's hard because we built this thing, and I think that it probably could sustain if we brought other people into it, but I just don't think it would be the same, you know. Uh-huh. And so I, Plus you will
0: have no time. Yeah, and people have your Broadway schedule is so bananas bananas. I, I can't think of another career that has its, its equal pacing. So yeah, you can't have two jobs at once for sure. By the way, Mary Kay, you did not really explain also your deal in the world and your big happenings this year. Oh, It's important. Oh yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, GC kind of told us a little bit about, you know, the double name witches and how that all started because GC and Meredith have kind of been like my constant best friends this whole year, which is such a gift to like have a business that you love with students that you adore and running it with your two best friends. It's just like, It's so crazy. It's so stupid and crazy. So that's been like one of the huge COVID silver linings besides Coop Coop. And then I got married three months ago. Maybe like, GC, was it like two weeks after you gave birth, I got married? And GC still showed up and like got down on the dance floor, wore her bridesmaids dress. She did it. She showed up. I was like, here are some little eye patches for you. You stay here. You have someone do Let's just hang. Just relax this Mom, is mommy's day. Fine. Yes. <laughs> Someone get this woman a mimosa now. <laughs>
0: but yeah, I got married a
1: couple months ago and moved into a Brooklyn flat. That's like my dream home, which is nuts. And then I go back out on the road in two months.
0: So are you in rehearsals right now?
1: No. When I go on the, we'll rehearse on the road. So we're going to start okay. in Tempe, Arizona. GC, did you ever play Tempe? I never did. It's one of those stops. i missed the theater is a frank lloyd wright theater and it is remarkable just the architecture of it is so cool the gamage and so we'll be there for like a month
0: oh wow before
1: we move on and then we'll just be like hopping one week one week one week one week for the most part so it'll be really it would be totally unsustainable to try to teach uh Ten right. week and long, she just never
0: sure. ever slept. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It would
2: even look different if MK and I were on the road together and on the exact same schedule. Yeah. But the fact that we're going to be in different time zones, and I do feel like so much of our class, our classes so far, have come sort of out of us, mm-hmm. and it's kind of built on on our friendship, and all these other friendships have come out of it, which has been so sweet. So, oh, yeah, there's there's a world in which we could expand. It would just, yeah, it would be different. So. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Who knows how you could build that out later. And you have so many of the elements already in place. I would love to hear from both of you. How did you get to this point that you are headlining Broadway shows? I mean, this is, it's pretty rare air for all the like theater hopefuls. It's kind of like making it to the NFL. It's like such a small percentage of the people who like played football in high school. Did you both? know from an early, like, this is my path or is this surprising for either one of you? Did you think I'm going to go this way? And I went that, or did this sort of materialize for you early on and you just stayed the course? How about, and I'm going to go with your initials because you guys keep doing that and it's cute. So, okay, let's go MK.
1: Okay. Yeah. I mean, I like to joke that I was never really good at anything else, but it's just because I loved, theater so much. I loved singing so much. My pop used to sing on the Irish radio when he came over to Philly from, from Dublin. And I, it's just like, so it's such a part of my culture, my home culture. And I would like skip, I, I hate that I tell this story all the time, but I would skip a lot of class to like go and learn how to sight read. Or I'd be like, I have a lesson for this. And I was just like fully and deeply invested in, singing, which was like this thing that I was thought I was good at. So it's also something I love to do. But that was like my, I found my place kind of my identity in it when I was really young. And then I went to college for it and moved to the city for it. And that was really hard. And I remember there was even a time where I was like, maybe I'll give up and just be an illustrator. Like maybe I'll find this other thing to do. Maybe I'll. And
0: how old were you, by the way, at that time?
1: When I moved to New York, Uh probably 20. Yeah. So you're young. Yeah, I was young. I was there are so many different paths. And mine was kind of more of the what I imagined it to be, which is what I would say. Don't ever imagine what your path is going to be, because then that's what you'll end up living. But it was like I stood in line for so long, like you'd get to the audition studio at 4 a.m. and wait until eight so that you could be a number on the list so that you can make it to your bartending gig later like that like that was my life until until I probably for like 3 years and then someone introduced me to like a new writer who took me under his wing and then I started working at NYU all the time which I still this like my summer gig is so fun I work with the the new writers on their thesis projects that introduced me to a bunch of people gave me some confidence and then I started booking stuff and then after I booked wicked I feel like there was no looking back. Like once you book Wicked, yeah. it's yeah. like, you can, yeah, that feels right. Yeah. It feels, <laughs> <That> feels <laughs> right. But in like, my audition, I, mean, I got
0: Wicked and things started yeah. to work. Yeah. Like, yeah. But when I sense. got it, I was like, Oh no. Oh no.
1: I did not think I was going to get this and I don't think I can
0: do it. You know, No wait, you have to talk about it. You have to tell, please talk about your audition for Wicked did you automatically know who you were? I don't know how this works. Did you, are you auditioning for a a role or any role? Like, how does Glinda. it work? I was, and uh... <laughs> Did they call you and then what did you do? Like,
1: right. I was auditioning for Alphaba and it was my second okay. time in. I was auditioning so for the standby. It was my okay. second. No, the first time I went in, they were like, I don't think she can do it. Yeah. And I was like, great. I can check that off my list. Like. They told me no. And now I can tell everybody who asks me that I'm not going to play it because they told me no. Like, great. I have an excuse now. And then my agents were like, (laughs) jokes on you. We're sending you back in. They're looking for a standby. So I get there and, you know, there are 10, it's a pre-screen. So it's before. Can I ask you a quick
0: question? Yes. What's the difference between a standby and an understudy? An
1: understudy plays a role in the ensemble. So they're on stage every night as another role the standby will always go on most cases except for maybe frozen the standby always goes on before the understudy because it's the standby's role to cover the girl like period she is like she's special teams off stage ready to go every night just in case and then when the standby's on they take the the understudy would be like off stage maybe or they depending on how sturdy she was at the time
0: <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> okay So they're like, we're gonna send you in for a standby. Yeah, like it's you're you're gonna be Plan B for Alphabet. Totally, (laughs) totally. But you have to be able to
1: play it like Plan A, right? It's kind of like standby is usually like a grooming role too, for at least for the tour. Um, so I'm like, okay, great, cool, fine. So I go in, and there are you know 15 to 20 girls in like the same black free people dress, right? (laughs) Seriously the so, same yeah. black free people dress and i'm in <laughs> i'm in like this black like silk skirt with green flowers and a huge slit and like knee high combat boots and uh, yeah. i'm like oh no this is like oh, and I, like
0: i misread the room yeah i yeah. misread the, I was
1: like a turtleneck crop top and i was like sad <laughs> and skinny at the time so i was like i'm like, Fierce, you know. Sad and skinny. <laughs> and I go in and the guy oh. the guy has me sing defying gravity like eight times. Eight. Just the end. Like ah, 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 ah like eight times. Eight times I'm in the, he, you know, girls in front of me are going in and out, singing the stuff, singing the crap out of it and leaving, singing the crap out of it and leaving. Eight, he makes me sing the sides eight times and then calls my agents and say says, like, well, I'm not gonna be the one to tell her no. So we're going to pass her on. I was like, okay, great. So then I go, (laughs) right. I was like, all right. So they already told me no. And this guy's not saying yes, but I'm moving to like the next round. Right. So it's like, so at this point I'm like, whatever this, like, I'm never going to get it, whatever. I'm just going to go and just have fun. So I go in again and they're like, all right, we're going to send you to the final. So it's like Lisa, who is our who was our associate and still is the associate on Broadway. She's there. And I had a reading to go to at like 1030. So my, my audition was at 10 or something like that. Like it was early. And so you're singing Defying Gravity at 10 a.m. I, can't,
0: I don't even right.
1: Like this is one. my morning voice right now. This is what you're hearing. And I like throw my bag down and I'm like, I got to be out of here in like 20 minutes. So we like got to get this going. It's like, that's how it happens though. When they're like, oh, she has other stuff to do. Oh, she's not desperate. Uh-huh. Oh, she uh-huh. like.
0: A little hard you know, to get. Mm -hmm. a little
1: hard to get. And then, and then I got it, which was so crazy. And I'll never forget like being in the car with my mom in my driveway in Downingtown, Pennsylvania. And they called me and I look at my mom and I was like, they're, they want me to play the standby for Elphaba. And my mom just started crying and I just started crying. We're just in the, just silently, the two of us are just sitting there like both of our lives are about to change. Like both of our lives are changed I'm about to be green. Yeah, I'm about to be green. My mom is about to be like flying across the country. I'm about to be financially stable. Like there's so much involved in it. Totally. Yeah. So that's how I got the standby.
0: I'm in my stomach, have butterflies. Uh, I could listen to that story a hundred times in a row. That is so fun. And okay, so now I just want to hear your version of this story, Jenna Claire. Like where <laughs> did you start and how did you do and where was your thing?
2: Yeah, I, I grew up, I think music theater was always kind of in my bones. Grew up watching sort of the classics Sound of Music, Cats, My Fair Lady, Annie, right? And saw my big brothers doing community theater and, and thought that looked like a lot of fun. And so, yeah, started auditioning for community theater. I saw my first Broadway show was Les Mis in New York and kind of looked at my mom and was like, people do this for their job? Like this fun after-school after activity could be your career? So I, I put aside my dreams of being a, a trainer at SeaWorld. <laughs> <laughs> it was like let's do let's do Broadway instead. That looks. Fun. I saw the original cast of Wicked in, in seventh grade and kind of had a had a one track mind after that. So my parents, I was going to be Glinda someday. I had it all. Don't worry, guys, I got I got my life plan figured out. And yeah. It's, looked into music theater programs like MK sort of through high school and ended up going to Elon and North Carolina. And like Mary Kate did summer stock theaters. And, and that's a really great sort of introduction in college to the professional world. And through our showcase series, my senior year, ended up getting an agent. So that's where MK and I's stories are a little different because I didn't move right to New York. I was in Binghamton, New York, which is not, that close it was a, a greyhound <laughs> no, not new york city yeah it was a greyhound bus right away so i think on on the worst days i was like getting on a bus and, and going into the city and, and doing like a dance call and getting cut and then taking the greyhound bus back you know running back to port authority to get that next bus <laughs> But I did a couple tours on the road, a show called Flash Dance. Actually, my first audition when I moved to New York or to Binghamton rather was, was for Wicked, I think, for the for the understudy for for the tour and made it to callbacks and didn't get it. And the next year, like sent in a self tape and nothing happened with it. And the next year getting called back in, you know, so I feel like auditioning for Wicked was kind of like dating getting to know you right with a show that's been running for so long they can afford to to get to know their people and and be sort of selective on on who they who they want to join these these little families right so hmm. yeah the third time I auditioned for it so this is yeah two or three years in didn't get it again and then a week later they were like I was in Nashville visiting my family and they said can you get on Skype and Skype because people weren't using Zoom yet. Can you Skype with the, with the music director at Wicked? And, and I was actually on the way to get a cavity filled and said, I'll cancel that appointment. Ran home, threw on a dress, got on Skype. And it was with the, the music director on Broadway, Brian Perry. And they had me sing the opening number cappella on Skype
0: so, so that's, every- and terrifying. that's everyone's
2: homework, right? It's good to see me, isn't it? Let us be glad, right? <laughs> Just like jump in. Let
0: us make my uh, heart pound.
2: <laughs> came in one more time, and they had me sight read something and put it on tape for Steven Schwartz, and um, that's how I ultimately ended up booking the standby for Glenda on Broadway. So I think that's something special about MK and I's story that we got to be standby sisters, right? And it does prepare you to, to take over and, and do it full time in some
0: ways. What was the timing here between the two of you?
2: We were standbys at the same time at the same, in different okay. companies.
0: Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. So yeah. we
2: kind of knew of each other, right? Because Broadway world's small and the wicked world's even smaller. Right. So I did that for 16 months. And then like Mary-Kate re-auditioned to go on the road and they were like, oh, I'm not sure. And I think the week I re-auditioned for it, I was playing Glenda that whole week on Broadway. And I was like, why don't you guys just come see me at the Gershwin? But no, like back in the audition room setting and then brought me in for the final round. And that was like with with Stephen Schwartz. And I mean, singing that music for the person who wrote it is nerve-wracking to say the least. I remember I sang the opening number and was like, I can do that better. Can we try that again? (laughs) Right? Because you're just like, he's right here. This is crazy.
0: That must feel like almost an out-of-body moment.
2: Oh, for sure. And just like a a bucket list moment. I know MK said we got to interview him for our class, but like he's he's just a wonderful, a wonderful guy. So yeah, I I took over the role on tour. And then a few months later, Mary-Kate came to join me, which was the happiest turning point of all time. <laughs> and then Mary-Kate and I did it together on the road for a full year, which was and is and always will be such such a gift. And then I ended up taking over the role in, in New York about six months after the tour and did that for almost a full year before before the, the great pause.
0: This on the road friendship is so special. I don't know what the Broadway community is like on the inside, if this is normal or not normal, but the fact that you two just like, boom, just like that is just such a phenomenal story. I love that so much. You guys know how much I love a good story. Well, you've heard me talk about best fiends before. It's one of those match three puzzle games, probably the best one out there. And that's because it has a storyline. There's good guy heroes, the fiends, and there's villains, the slugs. It's what every good narrative has. So every time you go to play, you have a new adventure and story to follow. There is always new content. So you're never repeating anything. It's really just so much fun. So whenever I need to redirect mental energy for a while, or just fill those in between moments in, I love to pop open best Games on my phone. It's one of those games that makes 30 minutes for like 30 seconds. And guess what? It's absolutely free to download. Plus you can play it anywhere with or without the internet. So Download Best Fiends free today on the App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. I know that our to-do lists are endless, endless, which is a really good time to take a hard look at our yeses and our noes. For me, the post office is a no the place wins zero popularity awards, right? And so this was an easy no for me, especially once I discovered a different way to ship all the things, which is stamps.com. This is how it's done. I use this for literally everything. I need to ship out return and more. Here's how it works. Stamps.com brings the services of the U S postal service and UPS right to your laptop, right? You can mail and ship anytime, anywhere, letters, packages, any class of mail, you name it. And when you're ready, you just schedule a pickup or you drop it off. Like that's literally it. And not only is it so convenient, you pay less, a lot less. With stamps.com, you get discounts of up to 40% off post office rates and up to 66% off UPS shipping rates. So I know a lot of us are doing more online shopping these days than in person. So that can obviously mean returns. But a lot of us also office from home, we work from home, we have Etsy shops, everything requires mailing and shipping. So stop wasting time going to the post office and go to stamps.com instead. There's literally no risk. And with my promo code for the love, you get a special offer that includes a four week trial plus free postage and a digital scale with no long-term commitments or contracts. So just go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in for the love That's stamps.com promo code for the love stamps.com. And we'll never have to go to the post office again. What has been your most magical, most like, what the heck moment, whatever that is, it, be it in, on Friday, uh, wherever you're touring, I don't care what it is, but like, this is the thing where I literally just had to like sit down on the ground. And then I would love to hear also, we just need to go the opposite way and tell us what's the worst thing that's happened this far. Like something went terribly sideways or maybe it was on stage, maybe it was off. I don't really care, but you're like, this was the moment I was like, you know what? I'm going back to SeaWorld. I'm going to go back to SeaWorld. I'm going to be a trainer and just have a different kind of life than this one that I just had. Okay. So let's go high, low essentially. Okay. How about you, MK? I think
1: it was, I don't know. I have two. Can I say two? Mm-hmm. So at the end of tour for Wicked, I was beat because I had been doing the show for 14 months, which is longer than you should ever do it if you're playing. Is it? Yeah, for sure. I think personally.
0: Just the toll on your body, your voice. Yes. And the week before
1: I had had bronchitis and we were in Albuquerque. And so the they had oxygen off stage because it, the levels, it was just... And for that to be like your last city as you're like scraping the barrel to get it out.
0: You're like gasping over the finish line.
1: Yeah, I'd be like, ah! But then I'd be like over the levitator, like <laughs> waiting for the oxygen. It was just like crazy. And I, but I remember something magical was that that last show that GC and I did. Like, I was gonna, oh, it yeah. was so it's okay
0: you can both have the same oh uh,
1: it was so unbelievably magical because we were both so tired but it was an incredible it was a testament for like you don't know what you're capable of because the show we gave that night was I know it was amazing like it was a amazing we both felt good about it like our parents were like holy crap my sister was like, "That's the best show I've seen you guys do." Like, and it's just like we were so tired, but we—it's like that sprint at the end. Yeah, we like dug, dug down for that like little bit of strength we had left, and that I think was magic.
2: I tell about the promise we kind of made to each other before the show. Yeah,
1: because I
2: had two, and that was that was my first one as well. But Mary Kate and I kind of promised each other, and it's something like to this day I feel pretty proud of. I I think. There's sort of this sometimes witches tend to lose it on that last performance, right? It is, it's really emotional, and there's this bond that's created, right? And MK and I kind of looked at each other and promised each other right before the show, you know, this is someone's first time seeing Wicked. And a lot of people, a lot of our friends and family are here to see us because that's our last show. But there's a lot of people who are just going to see, you know, a show in Albuquerque tonight. So, like, we're going to hold it together. We're going to give a great show. And I feel like we we did that until like the last note of for good when
0: you both broke
2: really started, right? <laughs> yeah.
0: But
1: we were like, not until that last note, you cannot cry. And so the two of us are singing for good to each other, like... Don't do it. Like, I got you. You got me. Don't do it. Don't fall apart. Stay in it. Just stay with me, you know? And that kind of like conversation that is just energetic between two scene partners and best friends. Like, you have that with your best friend off stage, but imagine doing that on stage in front of thousands of people totally. with your best friend. It's and nuts. you're just
0: reading each other. Yeah, you're like just reading. You can do it. <laughs>
1: exactly. It, so, that kind of like that sturdiness in friendship is like, and in your like, coworker I mean now I mean that gave GC and I the kind of like courage and wherewithal to build a company together like that kind
0: of connection so I think that that was really mm-hmm. special. oh I love that story yeah. you guys let me just say I'm gonna I'm the third p- piggyback on this story now because yeah. the first time I saw Wicked was in San Antonio the Majestic you know which is we love, we love San Antonio, San Antonio! <laughs> I mean there's not a more beautiful space. Seriously, And I was so freaked out. I mean, I was so freaked out. I couldn't quit talking about it. And so I, I call my mom and my sisters and I'm like, we're going to have to go see it in Austin immediately. So the mom gets tickets. Now I love her. I do. I love my mother, but she's not going to be clever about getting good tickets. She's just going to go online and buy the first thing she sees. And so we go to see wicked in Austin at the long center and, you know, we show our tickets and they're like, so we just keep going. I'm like, Oh, we're just, it's the, the air is thin, you know, what's higher than where we are. And we finally get to the top back row, No, like our heads are leaning against the back wall. And so we can't see, this is us trying to even know what's going on, like on the stage, but when we get to the last song for good, me and my mom and my sister, and I've already seen it, we're hysterical. Like we're (laughs) we're having to grab people's cocktail napkins, like all around, like wiping our faces. So we could barely see it. We could barely hear it. And we're back there that I've goosebumps just thinking about it. Guys, I don't know how you ever got through it. I guess after you do it. 20 million times you just do it, but what a show. Okay. Now you each had a second magic. So, okay. MK, what was yours? Wait,
1: I want to hear GCs first. Oh, okay. I really wanted to be you singing with Kristen Chenoweth. Is that
0: it? You know each other. Yes. Know each
1: other. <laughs> of course. Yeah, she did like a
2: a Broadway show of one of her concerts. It was her For the Girls album. And she invited me to come sing with her. So Wicked gave me the night off so I could go down the street and perform with her. And I think, yeah, being on stage with someone who's who's influenced me so much over the years and and to get to tell her to her face in front of a lot of people how much she'd meant to me for, for so long, I think was, yeah, that was definitely
0: a. It uh, gave me goosebumps. Uh, a- what did you sing?
2: I had to sing part of Popular, which was really fun. They made it like a popular masterclass where she was coaching me and making sure I was doing everything OK. That's pretty cute. And then I sang Crazy, which was one of the songs on her album, which was fun,
0: Patsy. Oh, that's a great moment. Okay. How about you, MK?
1: My other magic moment was like the start of the Mean Girls tour, because with Wicked, you're, you're very, it's a, it's a machine, right? Like I was the 10th girl to play it on the tour, like that I was on. And, you know, you walk to four on this count, you look up, oh, you see the vision here. You walked it like the block. It's so, it's so crafted for you. And then I went into my mean girls rehearsals with that mindset, I was like, okay, what are we doing? What's my blocking? And Casey Nicola, the great Broadway director, looked at me and said, MK, like, how would you do it? How do you want to do it? And I was like, oh, I get to play? Oh, I get to I get to originate this part. I get to do it how I want to do it. And I remember doing I'd rather be me for the first time in the rehearsal room and Casey Nicola was like weeping. And just to like have like hit, like this head, this genius of Broadway looking at me saying, that's it. And something that came from me and my own ideas was like, I mean, I feel like I could do anything
0: now. Oh, yeah. That's so fantastic.
1: And
2: like Tina Fey was in the room. Yeah. That's no That's it. Her. That's too
0: much. Yeah. That's just too much all at once.
2: I love that. Yeah. I love that they. Cut, that you were able to custom fit
0: that it's so
2: special. Okay. Yeah. No,
0: I, I will let either of you off the hook of like the worst, your biggest flub, your worst oh. lowest moment, whatever it is. I don't care, but we got to get that. We got to get that T also.
2: GC, you want me to go? Mary go ahead, yeah.
0: GC.
2: <laughs> Do I give the uh, PR answer or the not PR? No, answer? No, 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 That's not the PR. Question. no, no, no.
0: Go in the weeds. Like we with want to be the in I the weeds with you.
2: I can't tell you any specific show that this happened in, but I can tell you that there was a time where I missed the top step on a 15 foot staircase and did three somersaults to the bottom, landed on all fours like a, like a cat.
1: Her mom's in the audience. My mom was in the audience
2: may or may not have tried to jump over the orchestra pit. No. Uh, And. uh, I want this not to be true. Yeah. The show sort of like was at a halt for a moment. And I said, I'm okay. Keep going. But were you and okay? Cause I, I kind of, well, I did like a full body scan and I was like, <laughs> I don't think anything's broken. Yeah. At that point, like I kind of said it for me, I said it for stage management. So the show wouldn't stop. I said it for my mom who was screaming the audience and I said it for my, Partner on stage was like, "I'm okay. We're gonna we're gonna finish this thing out." And there was only 20 minutes left in the show, and I was like, "The crew's gonna hate
0: me if we." Could you keep your head about you? Because I I I think I've been so rattled. It's
2: that like fight or flight thing, right? I think your my adrenaline was on overdrive and. We, we, we finished the last 20 minutes and then, you know, I had a lot of bumps and bruises and I mean, I think I was just kind of guided by angels to the bottom, like should have broken. I mean, should have, so many things should have, could have, but yeah, I had to be out for a week so the bruises could go
0: away. Oh, lay. you did. Well, I'll tell you what, you never missed that step again, did you? Never missed it again. The show it must is. go on. Uh-huh. I have fallen down the stairs coming off a stage before as a speaker and the horror just overrides whatever's hurting. Like... I'm like, whatever hurts, I'll sort that out later. But like, it's just so, it's so like unglamorous and clumsy to fall downstairs. You know, like it was, it's not cute. Yeah. It's it was always cute. my
2: worst fear too, was yeah. to fall on stage. And I, think, I feel like I can, my favorite one with Mary Kate was just when she popped down into the splits in popular, which was not a planned thing, oh but it gave me the giggles for sure. You and did it, it... that
0: outside of the normal blocking, like on it, in a show? Maybe. <laughs>
1: I reach. <laughs> and well, well, here's the thing. I can't do a split. So can you call it a split? <laughs> Probably not. Can you call it a valiant effort? Yeah, absolutely. Would Elphaba maybe try that? I believed so in the moment. I do
0: too. That yeah. feels in character. Listen, you so, got to keep
1: it fresh. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Got to bring yeah. those choices.
0: That would have made me laugh so hard. Did you get the giggles? Because I had to work real hard to correct the ship there.
1: Oh, no. We stayed in character the whole time. And then the problem was that the audience could tell that we were laughing at each other. And then they were Uh, laughing at us, laughing at each other. And then we would hear them (laughs) laughing. And then we would start laughing. It was like just... There was a review written up that was like, we don't know if they broke or not. But it was really funny. (laughs) And we think they're best friends. And we were like... Like, we got something right. Breaking, but Everything it was
0: else. kind of muddy. <laughs> Flush. Flush.
1: <laughs>
0: okay. So what about you, MK?
1: Oh, man. I mean, it's like good and bad because I feel like it brought me to Jesus. But Alpha was such a hard role to play that I started having like every four months I would have some sort of mental break where I would have a panic attack or like I remember my sister picking me up off the bathroom floor and calling my stage manager and saying not gonna make it today she's like just I I would just feel I would hold like a bunch of pills and be like how many of these do I need to take to either do the show or not do the show? (laughs) Like and I would say to GC like you know if if I died right now I wouldn't have to sing No Good Deed, you know, like it got so dark. And I'm not a dark person. Like I love life, but I didn't want to live. And so like not being able to call your mom, not being able to be with your friends. Like GC was my, like in the moment, she was my everything because we would just sit next to each other and steam and not talk. And she would make me cereal or whatever. you know what I mean? She got me to the show and she got me home. But being so dependent on someone else when you are your own person is so challenging. And when you're playing someone so strong on stage, but feeling so weak off stage and in like your mental capabilities is just like it was it was so debilitating, (laughs) all of like the mental health stuff that goes along with that kind of pressure. So probably my mid show call outs when it happens in such a public way that you're you're, you're literally in front of 25 to 3000 people and you're, you're in the middle of a break where, and you're, and they can't, they don't have the standby ready yet. And you are fully hyperventilating and your stage management team is pushing you on stage to, because the show has to go on until she's ready. And so you just, and you don't even have to sing, but you just have to be on stage and in the scene. And you're just like, Like there's nothing, but there's nothing you can do. So like, but, but to have that kind of trauma, like just over and over is really, it was, it was really challenging.
0: Yes. Yes. Yeah. Can you talk about your recovery?
1: It's ongoing. It's ongoing. It's like when something like when I started the Mean Girls tour four months in, I was like, I'm going to have a panic attack. It's time. Like now it's time for me to have a panic attack. And then it's like time for me to have a panic attack again. Like I know, like I know it, like it's clockwork. And so it's just like communicating with my team about it and being like, okay, I'm going to need paper bags off stage just in case, just in case. And I think that that's okay to like admit that like we're under a lot of pressure. And like, if there is a show where I need to have a paper bag off stage, that's fine. <laughs> like that's just how it's going to be now. And I do think like when I say it brought me to Jesus, I do think I was like, so I was so deep and dark and I needed like some light and GC was there and GC is a Christian. And she obviously was like, we would like start talking about stuff like that. But I think that that has really helped me a lot. Like finding my identity in something other than the role I was playing has really, really helped me.
0: Wow. Thank you for sharing that. Mm -hmm. He's amazing. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to put myself in your body being just in the wings, not able to catch your breath and being shoved back on stage. I honestly can't believe you did it. So I just deeply understand what you're saying. And I feel like whatever we have to do to manage our anxiety and our panic and our lives, that's what we do. Oh my gosh. Boundary that means for me, it means medication and therapy. Mm -hmm. Obviously for me, it also means faith. That's an anchor for me as well. Mm -hmm. It just kind of feels like a steady in the storm. And so just thanks for saying that. Thanks for sharing that. You should always be allowed to have a paper bag. That's
1: what I think. You know what I mean? And if your paper bag is medicine and therapy, if your paper bag is going to the gym, if your paper bag is calling out of a show, like,
0: yeah, yeah, that's right. My paper bag is pinching the inside of my arm. For some reason that puts me right back in my body. And I'm like, I can feel myself pinching myself and I just, I can get back in. So whatever the thing is, I like that a lot. Oh, I do like use that. Me too. Oh yeah. Pinch inside your arm. You guys will put you right back in. I'm so interested right now in elevating and celebrating good things. So community. I'd like to introduce you to ABLE. If you're not familiar with ABLE, they are an ethical fashion brand that employs and empowers women as a solution to end poverty. (laughs) Love. They're deeply devoted also to quality, both in the products they make and in the quality of life they aim to provide. So they invest in, train, and educate women so they can earn a living, break the cycle of poverty, and thrive. And... Would you believe it all started with scarves for them in Ethiopia? They met women coming out of the commercial sex industry who asked for help finding jobs. So they trained them to make scarves. And after selling over 4,000 of them in two months, they knew they were onto something. And now Abel has grown from hand-woven scarves to a whole lifestyle brand with leather bags and clothes, shoes, jewelry, and more. I have so much of their stuff that I wear on constant rotation. I cannot say enough good things about Able. Truly come check them out for the cause and their incredible business practices and stay for the fashion. You can get 20% off site-wide with my code 20gen at livefashionable.com. So that's 20gen at livefashionable.com. Okay, you guys, one last question and then we'll wrap it up here. Now that, you know, allegedly Broadway is gonna open back up.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It is, it is, it is. We're speaking that into existence. (laughs) Yes, Jenna
0: Claire, yes. Yes. (laughs) Why do you think the two of you specifically, because your point of view here is so special, that live theater is maybe more important now than ever. And what it means for audiences, what it means for the Broadway community, what it means for the theater community at large, even like down to the kids in their middle school, you know, musicals at their little high school, at their little schools. And what do you feel like live theater is going to give us back at the end of this horrible, horrible year and a half of just disconnection and loss?
1: What comes to mind immediately is that theater is for the most part, a device that mirrors humanity, right? Live theater mirrors humanity. You have live humans on stage telling stories, being emotionally vulnerable. And I think that the story of artists and actors and backstage managers and uh, ushers and the whole Broadway community right now is a story of resilience. And so I'm hoping that the mirror that that we are seeing is resilience and that that will encourage people and empower people in coming
0: out of this pandemic Mm -hmm. to be strong. I love that answer so much. The amount of times I have sat in a theater and just wept, just absolutely wept because the story is so tender to me and I'm that person and they are me. And this moment is something I've experienced. And it's so, it is such a mirror It's just such a mirror. And so, and in a different way than like film and TV is because it's a live human person with flesh and blood right in front of you. And so that's a fantastic answer. How about you, Gina and Claire? I think
2: in starting our business and getting to work with students from all over the world something Mary Kate and I kept saying is musical theater feels more meaningful than ever before even though it's just like finding live theater here on this on this Zoom screen but I think like on a personal note I think MK and I have been challenged in our craft sort of having to teach in this setting and then also have just been so inspired by the work in the artistry of our students. So we're going back different artists. So I think sort of my, my hope for like our community is, you know, we've had the chance to rest. We've had the chance to, to be creatively inspired either maybe by our families or by different pursuits that people have done on the side for, for us. It's definitely been DNW and, and our students. And then, yeah, just, just the resilience of artists, I think, is is something that's really special, and, and hopefully, you know, as as we come back, that that people feel that and and want to put that into their own lives.
0: I hadn't thought about how we are all going to get our our theater performers back rested and renewed, having just run the gauntlet of the theater schedule for so long, like. Right. Eight shows a week with one day off.
2: It's like, voices are rested. Bodies are
0: rested.
2: We're ready to go. we're healed.
0: Like if anybody's had an injury, that injury is healed. Like that is, I hadn't even thought of it. That is so true. You're going to be like leaping off the stage with just enthusiasm and health. That's wonderful. Okay. Last two questions. And these are just kind of like top of your head. And we'll start with you, MK. Can you tell us about... Either your favorite, or this is hard to pick actually, let's say, say either your very favorite or one of your tip top favorites, like Broadway icons and how it is that they influenced you hmm. like why they're special to you. Um, Broadway icon. Uh-huh. And in any, in any way, be it a, an onstage performer, be it a direct, whatever it, behind the scenes in front of the curtain, either way.
1: I think that I really admire right now Rachel Chafkin, who is a Broadway director. She directed Town, just because and she directed um, Natasha Pierre in the Great Comet. And she just ha- is a visionary and can m- make these pictures on stage just come to life for us. And she creates a world for actors to really play in. And I always think it's really fun to see. A woman succeed kind of like in a man in a male dominated world. So to have her just like le- leading the way, and I think that she's so cool and so interesting and so smart. And anytime oh, a woman is that. like, n- and she's supposed to be really nice too, which is like oh, awesome. She's got it all. Yeah.
0: Yes. Oh, that's a great answer. Okay, Jen Claire. Well, I pulled out my book. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> this was this was the Kristen Chenoweth book that I picked up when I was a kid. It's called A Little Bit Wicked, but it's life, love and faith and stages. But I hate to always bring it back to KC, but I love to, too. But I think the way, yeah, she's really succeeded in in, in theater, but sort of crossed over into into television and film and sort of has always just lived heart forward and, and had success in all arenas of the entertainment industry and just, yeah, a, a strong... A strong, small, four eleven, four ten, four eleven woman. She's so
0: witty, she's and then I think, the yeah, just meeting her thing. in real life
2: and seeing that everything that I thought about her is actually
0: true. Oh, that's my favorite thing.
2: <laughs> yeah, her her kindness and her talent, and yeah, and the way she sort of approaches life, heart forward. So
0: she's you know, a gem, and
2: just you know, someone who who inspired me from from the beginning.
0: You babe ruthed your career. Like you pointed yeah, and you got it. Last question, you guys. And I ask every guest mm-hmm. in every series this question. And please feel free to answer this however you feel like it can just be like earnest or it can be absurd. We have gotten it all. So it doesn't matter. This is a question from a priest that I love. Her name is Barbara Brown Taylor. So she says, What is saving your life right now? Nachos. I know. That's okay. I'll accept, I'll allow it. Turkey nachos. Turkey nachos. Yeah, because
1: I'm trying to fit back into my wedding dress in September, and I do not want to diet again. Like I just don't want to be that skinny again. Like I just don't want to do it. And so I've been having like tr- instead of ground beef, like turkey taco
0: nachos almost every what I night love with my is husband. That you still put them on chips. You're like, what am I going to swap out the ground beef or the on chips? My chips. <laughs> yeah, with my cheese. My body
1: doesn't process chips because I eat them so much. It's like air. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, I can't
0: why do you have to be back in your wedding dress? Because we're
1: having a, a big ceremony with like 300 people on September 12th, <sighs> two days before when we meet in person and everybody wants me to wear my dress again, but I kid you not. I was a size zero. Like I was going hard. That's and, not
0: sustainable. Uh,
1: and honestly, I have not sustained it. So, <laughs>
0: <laughs> worst case scenario, your seamstress does a little strip oh, right yeah. down the back. I don't, care. I don't care. You're already married. You already got the husband. Like, who cares? I'm already yeah, Mrs. Blake. see your <laughs> oh, Mary Kay Blake. <laughs> I'm so tickled. Um, So, when
2: you see her, Jen, she'll be newly married times two. Yeah.
0: Times two. Uh huh. And she'll be hungry. I'll She'll be, be hungry. hungry
1: and I'll be glowing from my yeah. nachos. Hungry Something. and glowing, <laughs> right.
0: And then you can go back to beef nachos.
1: Yes, thank you. Okay.
0: clear.
2: Oh, man. The first thing that came to my head is not cute. It Ted Lasso. I just, I really like oh, him.
0: You guys. It's so it's good. Since, you guys.
2: Just so for me, it's like a way of life. But is it Jason Sudeikis or Sudeikis? Sudeikis. Sudeikis. Uh, His... The, I mean, he isn't, he's a producer and a writer on the show, but his, yeah, sort of relentless pursuit of optimism I can't handle is it. something that is so delightful and infiltrates other areas of my life when I'm not just watching the show, but the, the humor, it's so delightful. A
0: hundred percent same is it okay? that it, and his Is it was, okay? Do you, I don't know. You must not know the, of my Ted Lasso obsession.
2: He wakes, he makes the, he makes the little biscuits. The biscuits. Oh. I
0: know when it came out, like I came smart. until it late, apparently it came out like last August, the first season. Yeah. And I've I didn't find it. it until like December.
2: Oh, I found it this summer. I like, I, it's, it's so
0: fresh and real for me right now. <laughs> oh, you're in the glow. You're in the glow. That's I watched it straight day. through went in one in and then I called my daughter, Sydney, who's a, on campus here at UT. She's a student. And I'm like, I need you to come home tonight. I need you to be here by seven. We're going to watch the Ted Lasso, all of it again, the beginning to end. And I made my son, Ben watch with us. And he's like, I have, it's, it's one in the morning. We have one episode left. He's like, I have school tomorrow. I'm like, I don't care. You're going to, you're going to finish this season <laughs> with us. It's just so darling. It's yeah. we yeah. needed it last year. Like we needed it. He just needed Ted Lasso. <laughs> so, anyways, okay. Thank you for saying Ted Lasso. I'm so happy that somebody understands that, <laughs> girls. I'm so happy to meet you. I will see both of you this year. Like
2: so soon, you guys. Okay. <laughs> All right.
0: Until then. All right. Thanks for being on the show, you guys. Thank you Love for you, having Okay, you guys, delightful, right? I for one cannot get enough of like, tell us what it's really like. Maybe it's because I'm just such a fan of Broadway and it, it has been so magical for me and meant so much to me and given me so many like experiences that I can almost just recount in perfect memory. And so it's so fun to talk to these greats, like literally these Broadway greats about what it has been like them for, to bring us such magic you know, week in and week out in their shows. And so you guys, we have so many great guests lined up in the Broadway series. You're going to be tickled. Let this wet your appetite for, for live theater coming back and why it is so good to be a patron. And anyway, I'm just, I am giddy about the Broadway series. Just absolutely giddy. Every conversation is so good. And so thanks for listening. Be sure to share these episodes with your theater friends, with your live theater junkies. Thank you for listening and for subscribing and rating and reviewing the show. We are so grateful for that. That has, you have just kept this little show like hopping since its inception four years ago. And I'm so happy that you're here and that we get to continue to bring you new and interesting series and fascinating and exciting guests like this. So come back next week, you guys. Broadway folks, this is your series. Live theater folks, this is your series. So don't miss, come on back next week and I'll see you then. Bye guys.